0: It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. Time to talk about 49ers versus Browns under further review, which means I've watched the film. I've broke down the all 22. In fact, if you want to see the first half offense, it's available over on Patreon right now. First half defense I've recorded as well. That will be coming up pretty soon. So all week long, going to be putting out the film of 49ers versus Browns. And it's an interesting one. I had a lot of takeaways from this matchup. Of course, I love watching game film of the 49ers winning. It's always my favorite, seeing how they executed and how they won. But as a coach, I know that when you go back and you watch the film, you can learn things that you can get better at. Uh, There are things that you can do better that maybe you you didn't realize were problems before. You see how other teams put pressure on you to be able to execute at a higher level, and it's an opportunity to grow. And some of the players for the San Francisco 49ers are going to have to grow from the effort and performance that they had against the Cleveland Browns. Now, let's give props to the Cleveland Browns. They're a, a very good defense. And let's be honest, uh, Coach Schwartz did a very good job of continuing to put pressure on the 49ers offense the entire game. It was all about who could dictate tempo, who could dictate what they wanted to do. I felt that throughout the game, the 49ers did good early on, and then it somewhat changed here and there. And really once Kyle Shanahan lost the services of Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, it made it even more tough sledding for that 49ers offense. So it's interesting. We're going to go through the points. We're going to get into all the things the 49ers did well, things that I caught on film. Maybe they need to get a little bit better at. And then some of my observations about what I saw what Cleveland was doing to San Francisco and how the 49ers tried to counteract that. I think watching the film, I was kind of expecting it to be worse than it actually was. Uh, but, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. Sometimes you watch the game and you have such a negative feeling about what happened that it always is smart to go back and wait and see what you see on film and see if that translates. Sometimes it ends up being worse. Sometimes it ends up being better. And that comes with wins as well. Sometimes you think you absolutely dominated. You find out there was maybe something missing. You weren't as good in execution. You didn't handle it as well. And then sometimes you executed really well, but you still didn't get it done. It's 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 an interesting factor in this game, and I'm looking forward to talking all about it. So that's what we're going to get into in this, uh, because it it just we've got to get into why the 49ers weren't able to defeat the Cleveland Browns and improve to six and zero. Of course, they did get some help along the way. Philadelphia Eagles lose. Seattle Seahawks lose. So they stay the course as far as rankings in the in the conference, but you gotta feel like you missed an opportunity to kind of stretch your lead away from both those teams. And now Detroit Lions are in the mix as well. So a new contender is right there with the 49ers and with the Eagles. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds from Week One all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl. Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use your promo code Believe. That's B L E A V in all caps you receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. I want to get into this, and I want to start on the offensive side of the football. I think that's the the spot where most believe that's the biggest, uh, you know, probably biggest problem for the forty yards in this game was their inability to consistently put up points against a Cleveland Browns defense that we knew was very good, right? They only gave up 71 yards per game entering the game on the ground. Uh, They only gave up 125 yards per game through the air. Uh, They were just very stingy. I think one of their bugaboos was red zone efficiency, being able to stop teams on the red zone, and that proved to be a problem in this one. 49ers, two of three. Uh, So when they had opportunities, they were successful in the red zone. Uh, In fact, I'll talk about the one opportunity they could have scored that really could have put this game out of reach if they would have got to it, and that's Christian McCaffrey got the ball in a pitch play to the outside, and they're literally a Jawan Jennings block away from it being a touchdown. Jawan Jennings uh, doesn't come up and help George Kittle on what should have been a duo block, and they leave some separation. That allows Rodney McLeod to get up the field. He changed the line of what Christian McCaffrey wanted to run. If he doesn't change the line, McCaffrey's able to beat Thornhill to the sideline or to the spot, get vertical. It would have looked very similar to Jordan Mason's touchdown run against the Dallas Cowboys, last week on Sunday Night Football. But what happens is Jennings isn't there. McLeod gets upfield, changes the line that Christian McCaffrey was running just enough to allow Thornhill to get there. McCaffrey eventually gets tackled down after a first down run of six yards, but it should have been a touchdown. There was no one else there. Those little subtle things that are missed, uh, the execution issues for the 49ers were apparent in this game. Some of that, you got to give credit to the Browns, you know, for playing hard for making the plays that they made. But opportunities like that is just a brain fart. You could see uh, Jawan Jennings trying to recover and make the play, but the damage had been done. And sometimes that's the difference between a touchdown and a big play and a play for seven yards. And unfortunately, that cost the 49ers in that red zone opportunity, they were unable to get into the end zone. And of course, with them losing by two points. That's a big change because a field goal, now you take the field goal off, uh, you put that seven points, and now the Cleveland Browns would have had to score a touchdown instead of a field goal late. It could have changed things up. But the 49ers faced eight in the box pretty much the entire game. Uh, Cleveland was very content with leaving a single high safety. Most of the time it it was Thornhill. He was in the back. They brought Grant Delpit into the box, and they would bring Roddy McLeod in as well, and they would have eight guys in there And to be honest, the 49ers had great success running the football against the eight man box all throughout the first part of the game. That first drive of the game, the 49ers basically ran the football consistently, whether it was Debo Samuel on the jet sweep or Christian McCaffrey running inside. They did a really good job of being effective running the ball against this unit. But later on in the game, it was a lot harder. They weren't as good running against that eight man box. It felt like at some point, They needed to be able to do some things in the passing game. And some things were just missing in the passing game. So the early success, uh, really, I thought they were going to get into some play action and take some shots. But what's interesting is the first forward pass that gets thrown is actually the little shovel pass to McCaffrey for a touchdown from Brock Purdy. I felt like even though the offense was in rhythm, I'm not sure Brock Purdy was in rhythm. Uh, So I'm surprised that when they come out, and the next drive, the very first pass they throw after the Fred Warner interception ends up being a screen. And the play gets blown up. Uh, Owosu Karamoa, Jackson did a really good job of reading it, got over the top of our linemen before they even had a chance to get set. And McCaffrey gets dumped for a six-yard loss. That was huge in this football game. Because what happened is that negative play changed up how the 49ers approached that drive. They went from being aggressive and trying to get a touchdown to trying to make sure they could salvage getting points and that's a huge difference from how you go about attacking you know the next pass they try to throw they're trying to cut it down as far as distance that they need to get on third down they throw a slant pass Brock Purdy's first actual forward pass of the game and it's not successful he throws it a little bit behind Debo Samuel gets knocked away so now the Forty ers have a long way to go and we all know Uh, that they're not able to get the first down. Jake Moody uh, misses the field goal, a 54-yard field goal, which in Cleveland with that swirling wind and what was going on weather-wise was a difficult kick. We even seen their kicker miss one as well early on in the football game as they were trying to figure out and navigate through the wind situations. Those are some of those things that are tough. And so that was a missed opportunity. You're at the 25-yard line after Fred's interception. You need to have positive plays. I really thought the 49 would come out and run a play action, getting Cleveland to engage. They were flying around, engaged to try to stop that run. They couldn't stop on the first drive and find something down the field. Kyle thought he would use their aggressiveness to try to make something happen against them by hitting the screen. But Awusu Karamoa and Jackson on that play without Debo being on the field, absolutely focused full-fledged on Christian McCaffrey on film. I went over it on Patreon. They just focused on him the entire time they never took their eyes off him so as soon as they saw him go out in the flat they were there with him it's a great uh from them you know realizing what they're looking at not worrying about what ray ray mccloud's trying to do but focusing on mccaffrey and that's sort of the debo samuel effect if teams are going to focus that much on mccaffrey then you can use Debo effectively. And that's why Kyle ran him in the jet sweep early. Get his attention, get their attention on him, get their focus on Debo, where at least they believe they have to make sure they stay focused on him. If you're watching this, it's your first time. Like and subscribe. If, you, if you've been thinking about subscribing, please subscribe to the channel. Really appreciate it. If you're listening on audio platform, 49ers Cutback on Believe, please give it a five star rating. I'd appreciate that as well. So, I was really surprised they didn't attempt to throw more, especially using play action, because what Kyle's been doing all season long is when he sees a single high safety, he's had Brock Purdy uh, canning plays and going to pass. And they've been able to win, uh, whether it was Brandon Ayuk or George Kittle or Debo Samuel, uh, whoever it was, they were finding opportunities to take advantage of single high safety looks, with that extra guy in the box, and finding the matchups that they wanted. Well, in this matchup, he was definitely determined to run the football, even if it was eight-man boxes. I think he wanted to limit the amount of possessions each team had. He wanted to wear down the Cleveland Browns' defense. And ultimately, the possession was pretty close as far as time. First downs were pretty close as far as conversions. Of course, 49ers struggled on third down. Cleveland Browns only give up third down conversions at 22%. 49ers were 3 of 12 in this game. So it wasn't a great performance as far as converting on third. And a lot of that had to do with timely negative plays, timely mistakes as far as penalties as well. And penalties were a very big concern in this game. Now, one thing that was very noticeable, I talked about the Christian McCaffrey um, play earlier where he could have had the ball on the outside toss for a touchdown and Jawan Jennings just missed it. And that's how the 49ers go up 10-0. Well, there's also multiple plays in this game, especially the first half, that could have been touchdown plays. One of them being the Brandon Ayuk pass down the field. Did Denzel Ward get into him a little bit? Yes. Of course, I brought this up on the the post-game show. But the truth is that Brandon Ayuk had the ball hit him in the hands, and he dropped it. And if he would have caught that ball, it would have been a touchdown because there was no one behind there. Denzel Ward went to the ground. And Brock Purdy absolutely threw a dime. Here's the interesting part. Brandon Ayuk actually slowed up at the top of his route. So even the ball looks like it's a little bit high and that he has to outstretch and go for it. Actually, where he should have been if he wouldn't have hesitated, he would have ran into that. That would have hit him in the chest. He also would have had more separation from Denzel Ward and it would have been a touchdown. So that was unfortunate. That was a definite miss. We talked about the McCaffrey one. That was a miss as well. There's another play where the 49ers move the pocket to the right side and Dalvin Tomlinson gets so much push on Spencer Burford that he forces Brock Purdy to roll out further. You remember if you're watching the game, you probably seen a ball go to Ross Dwelly, but it was a fluttering ugly football that landed out of bounds. Well, they had a touchdown set up to George Kittle. Uh, What they did was they sent Ray Ray backside. So they've moved everyone else this way. Even Kittle was going You know, with the flood of the play, Elijah Mitchell had ran this way and they brought Ray Ray back and that pulled the safety over the top away. Then George Kittle ran a little nice move, got past Jackson, the linebacker, and was wide open up the seam. But because of the pressure of Dalvin Tomlinson, it forced Brock Purdy to continue his role. He wanted to stop, throw back down the seam for a touchdown to George Kittle. Tomlinson's pressure ends up causing the play to not work. This is what I'm talking about. So many times we hear, oh, Kyle Shanahan had a bad day calling plays because you see the actual end of the play not working out when in reality it was a great call and not great execution. It's not that it wasn't great execution by Brock. It's not that it wasn't great execution by George Kittle or Raven McLeod, but only one guy has to not have great uh, execution to ruin a play. And in this category, it was Spencer Burford. And that was unfortunate. That was an opportunity to get a touchdown and a big touchdown in the game. For your score, one more touchdown, they win this game. And let's be honest, some of the plays we've talked about right now could have made this game 14-0 or 21-0. And those types of things would have absolutely changed this game from a couple of different categories. Number one, the 49ers defense could have been more aggressive be, not have to worry about big-time plays down the field and be more aggressive. Those could have been huge. But also the offense uh, could have put Cleveland in even more categories. Now, another play that's huge in this football game, and everyone's going to remember it, is the ball slips out of Brock Purdy's hands when he's trying to throw the screen pass out to Raymond McLeod at the end of the first half. What they're doing, they're facing third and long. They're trying to get the ball to a screen, and they're trying to get in a nice situation for Jake Moody, potential field goal here's the thing when Brock Purdy goes to release this ball not only is Ray Ray McLeod got so much room he's got five blockers against three defensive linemen who are against three defensive players who are all at least five to seven yards downfield there is so much space and so much separation not only may Ray Ray McLeod get the extra or get the first down which is entirely possible he might get a touchdown there is nobody else there. This thing is so wide open. Miles Garrett had flew upfield. All Brock had to do was get him the ball. And of course, you know, the ball slips out of his hands. Was it wasn't the, you know, just the wet ball. Did he lose his grip? I don't know for sure. I know they're playing in the elements, but this is a missed opportunity. And so many of these happened in this game and it wasn't because of a bad play call. It was bad execution by one Or more players. And it's unfortunate. You know, there were so many drives that got stopped because of bad plays like that. Or we had a first down throw from Brock Purdy to George Kittle, negated by a hand to the face by Spencer Burford. And it happened. Those things really happened. So, yes, this was a crazy penalized game. The 49ers had 12 penalties for 105 yards, and the Cleveland Browns had 13 penalties for 113 yards the referees were penalizing these teams could it have had to do with the pregame scuffle potentially sometimes refs like to control this game and they were definitely a part of this game uh from overturning calls uh to potentially you know big plays like calling that one on Sean Gibson Ugh. you know calling the non fumble that one was close but I, I do think the referees were a part of this game and there were some there were some bad sloppy plays from both teams and then the referees were all over on top of that. So um, negative, negative plays and penalties were an issue for the San Francisco 49ers in this game. And, I, you know, just like that drive at the end of the game, uh, the 49ers are looking to go in the four-minute offense. And on the first play, Rock Purdy gets a intentional grounding call when he rolls to the outside. He said the ball didn't get to the line of scrimmage. You're talking an extra three or four yards. You know, I don't, I don't know how close it got, but if it gets there, then it changes the thing. It changed the whole aspect of that drive. Now you're having to try to make up ground. It just changes things. So uh, Circumstances definitely were struggles for the 49ers, and they struggle with some things on offense, which could be expected with Cleveland and their defense. But watching it on film, Kyle had four or five shots. That's not even including the Christian McCaffrey wide open where Brock Purdy throws it out over the right side. Uh, If he gets it straight up the numbers, it's a touchdown. So there was just some misses. Brock missed some. Receivers had some mistakes. Uh, they, People missed blocks. It just changes the game. You have to make sure you execute, and every one of those 11 individual battles are important, especially on the offensive side of the football. So let's flip it over to defense, and I thought the defense played a ton of too high safety looks. Uh, I think more than I expected them to, maybe more than they needed to run. And and why I say that is because the Browns had some success on the ground. Uh, Browns ran for 160-plus yards in this game, and the 49ers normally give up 64 yards. But my question was, why are the 49ers running two high-safety looks when they know the Cleveland Browns want to establish a run game and take the pressure off of P.J. Walker? And you have to give P.J. Walker credit. You watch that game, you see how many times he can the play. He switched. He would see the two-high safety look, see the 49ers adjust to it. I'd be willing to go with the run. And the 49ers gave up some big plays on the ground because of it. And it didn't start that way. The 49ers' defense played great against the Browns in the first half on the ground. There was a couple of runs here or there that were successful. A big run by uh, Goodwin on a reverse that was successful, which you guys know that was something I talked about during the week. But I thought there were some successes for them on the ground, but really the 49ers uh, didn't give up big plays on the ground until later. It felt like they were kind of wearing them down a little bit. I wonder, and I don't know why Steve Wilkes decided to do that. Maybe he was worried about Amari Cooper being able to get a big play. I mean, but besides Amari Cooper, they don't really have big play potential players. Yeah, they have speed uh, with Elijah Moore, and they have speed with Marquise Goodwin, uh, but those guys haven't exactly had a lot of you know explosive plays this season as far as catching the football, and they didn't in this one either. I think one of the things that you know, the 49 yards definitely struggled with a little bit was Amari Cooper. Uh, Cooper had the one, unfortunately, where De'Amane Lenore fell down, and I saw that, and basically, Amari Cooper ran a great route. Lenore got a little bit over his skis, and he fell down to the ground. Could not recover. Great find by P.J. Walker. That's unfortunate. And then, of course, Amari Cooper goes over the top of Charverius Ward uh, for that catch along the sideline. Absolutely tremendous catch. Those ones you just tip your cap. Right? Traverius Ward is right in his hip pocket. Jumps up with him. He made a great play. Savor the flavor. It's not going to happen again. And really, the 49ers, besides those two big plays, you know, held Amari Cooper in check. He ended up having another slant pass on Lenore later. Uh, but you know, Lenore tackled him right down, which is great. You drive on the football. I mean, he's a big-time receiver. So I was interested why they ran so many two-eye safety looks. I would have tried to make P.J. Walker uh beat me. And the truth is PJ Walker didn't consistently win. He threw errant throws. He gave the Four opportunities for interceptions, including Fred Warner on the first drive of the game, Diamond Lenore in the second half with a interception that gets the Fourniers down to the five. They punch it in for a touchdown on the Jordan Mason run. So to me, it felt like uh the Fourny were forcing PJ Walker into bad situations, uh including the blitz where they got the ball out of his hand. Was it a push forward? Who knows? I think it was a fumble, but in the grand scheme, they gave him opportunities to check to a run, especially anytime it was, you know, second and eight, uh, they would play off and they expected him to, to uh, you know, either they were going to check and hope they get a stop, you know, and make it third and, and mid third and five, or they were just gonna, you know, hope that he threw into two high safety looks and it didn't work out. So uh, to me, I thought that was interesting in the game. I know that 49ers did a very good job against Cleveland, still only held them to 19 points, but I think there was a a possibility of them to hold them to even less if they would have consistently played single high safety look and continued to come after uh, P.J. Walker because he was definitely struggling within the pocket. I thought the defense played well, though. You know, I mean, as much as, you know, they, they gave up some plays, I thought that they played pretty well. They still won the turnover battle. They forced two turnovers in the football game. Uh, Cleveland was three of 13 on third down, which means they played very efficient on third down. They were able to get stops, force field goals. Um, They did a really good job. And I thought you can, you can continue to build off this defensive performance. I thought that Randy Gregory looked really good in his first game. Excited to see him out there. When he got out there, he set the edge well against the run. He got a pass rush on uh, the opposing team, including three hurries and one sack in 24 snaps. I expect Randy Gregory to get a bigger role. And now what you thought was going to be a two-part harmony between Cleveland Farrell playing on early downs uh, against the run and Drake Jackson rushing the passer, I think is going to become more Cleveland Farrell on early downs and Randy Gregory rushing the passer. And at some point, maybe Randy Gregory all the time with Cleveland Farrell playing with that second unit. That's how good he was playing, doing a good job setting the edge, leaving his outside arm free And I thought from his play, he showed that he's a three down defensive end in this league. And of course, you know, he's proven that before in Dallas, but it's, it's on display again. So I thought that was interesting. So I think Drake Jackson, he's going to have to step up if he wants to be playing in these games, because now Gregory is taking over his role as the uh, pass rusher in, in obvious pass rush downs and Cleveland Farrell continues to play really well against the run. He's, he's very good at it. So they're good in that type of situation. I thought the D-line played pretty well. Kinlaw put pressure again. He was the one that's in uh, P.J. Walker's face when he throws the interception to or Lenore. Uh, He was a consistent disruptor. And so I thought the four-yard defensive line played pretty well. Would like to see them get home for for more sacks. The four-yards had to engineer some pressure using uh, the blitz with Oren Burke, with Isaiah Oliver. But, you know, one of those things you just got to continue to work on and we'll see how they continue to develop. Another thing is they absolutely miss Dre Greenlaw in this game. You know, that was one of the things during the week. I got a text from a, a friend I do a show with on Patreon, uh, Jay Hill. And, uh, you know, he was saying, hey, this is the week to, to sit uh, Dre Greenlaw. Because if you sit him, you're playing against the Browns. They don't have Deshaun Watson. There's no Nick Chubb. And I said, you don't realize how good Dre is. And he goes, well, we got Oren Burks. And, hey, I love Oren Burks. But the difference is Oren Burks normally plays between 20 and 30 snaps, and he plays the Sam linebacker spot. It's a different role, less coverage, different gap responsibilities, uh, just different responsibilities in general. Did Oren Burks play bad in this game? No, he did not. And I've seen his PFF grade. I disagree watching it on film. He made some plays that he needed to make that don't get you the recognition that you deserve. He nearly had an interception in the end zone to clinch the game, if Gibson wouldn't have just deflected it a little bit, so Oren Burke still played well, but, and, and I'll be honest, Flanagan fouls didn't play bad as either, but really there was plays in this game that you watch and you're like, Trey would have made that tackle. Trey would have been there. You're like the reverse to Goodwin. Trey would have been there. Uh, there just were opportunities just like the fourth down throw. Okay. PJ Walker, fourth down, the receiver's going to sit over there in the zone and Oren Burks is a little late. Dre Greenlaw would have been there. His instincts are just through the roof. He, His understanding, his recognition, it's just further along. He plays more snaps than Oren Burks. He understands his role better. Uh, he's an enforcer out there. He might have got the ball out. He might have made that interception in the end zone. So the 49ers definitely missed Dre, and you could tell Fred missed him as well. Fred was trying to be Captain America out there. He's flying around, trying to make every single play, sometimes trying to do other people's jobs as well. He was trying to put this team on his back and make sure that they won this game. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to. So the good news is Kyle Shanahan expects Trey Greenlaw to be back at practice this week and working towards playing against Minnesota. An extra day of rest for Trey Greenlaw uh, could be important as they play on Monday night. But yeah, I mean, the tandem of Fred Warner and Trey Greenlaw is better. And there are situations that, you know, maybe you're just a half a second slower as a linebacker to read what you're supposed to read. And those things can definitely cause you to, Uh, you know, not be there when you're supposed to be there. So I thought they missed him. But overall, I thought the defense played well enough to win. I always say this, as long as you hold a team below 20 points, you have to feel you won. The Cleveland Browns averaged 19 points a game. They got 19 points. 49ers score over 33 points a game. You'd expect them to be able to get 20, even against the number one defense in the NFL. So I thought that was interesting. Another thing that's been brought up, is about Kyle Shanahan kicking the ball on third down. So I thought I would get into this a little bit. I have no qualms with him kicking the ball on third down. I fully understand that it was a 41-yard field goal. You have an 85%-plus chance of making it. What you're doing as a a coach is limiting the opportunity to not get a chance to kick that game-winning field goal. So you want to make sure you have the snap, the exchange, everything is correct, the hold, and you get a, a good kick. For some reason, it was a bad snap, and Mitch Wisnowski needed to eat it. You had eight seconds. You still had a timeout. Then you could have called a timeout. Would it have been a deeper field goal? Yes, but at least you have an opportunity for that game-winning field goal. So, I mean, the grand scheme of things, your odds of getting, you know, what are you going to get, three, four, five yards on third down? Would that have made the kick better? No. I mean, the, the real case is the kick started right, and it stayed right. So well, I don't have a problem with the call. I understand it from a NFL coaching standpoint. Uh, the aggressor and everyone is always like, hey, let's go get more yards. Let's get closer, and that's always a great situation. But for Kyle Shanahan, his goal is to make sure you actually get a kick in the air and to make sure the Cleveland Browns don't have an opportunity to go down and kick a game-winning field goal after you kick your field goal. And I think he did that, so I have no problems with the call. I just wish there would have been better execution with the kick. But Jake Moody's a young guy, and this is a great learning experience for him. Now he's got an understanding of what happens in stadiums like that with the wind blowing and swirling and what he's got to do to recover from it. So he struck the ball well, just didn't go where he wanted it to go. Now it's his job to bounce back and become the big-time kicker the 49ers can believe. I'll we'll say this. I said this on the postgame show. I'm much happier that it happened in week six against the Browns instead of the NFC Championship game or the Super Bowl, because that would have been really tough, but now he can learn from it, and hopefully this will help him uh, be even better with that. So I'm I'm excited. Now, as far as uh, Kyle Shanahan, I think there's a couple calls he would have liked to get back, you know, that he wished he would have done something different, Uh, but for the most part, I think he called a really good football game, even missing uh, his two number one players on offense, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel and the effect that they can have on the game. I thought he still called a good enough game to win. And lack of execution cost his team opportunities. I went through five that just happened in the first half. That's just the first half. There was five opportunities for touchdowns that the 49ers weren't able to capitalize on. And I'm not talking like, oh, if they'd have done this, 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 and this, it would have been a touchdown. No, so that literally one mistake or one penalty uh, but these ones were just mistakes that the Four ers weren't able to capitalize and take advantage of, uh, you know, drop balls, uh, you know, missed assignments, ball slipping out of the quarterback's hands. It, it really did hurt the team, and I think they know if they go out and they execute at a higher level and they played the Cleveland Browns next week, they could probably beat the Cleveland Browns because they would execute at a higher level, and I don't care if it's Deshaun Watson playing quarterback. I think the 49ers, if they played him again, could beat him as long as they were able to execute. And that's always the the tale of every single game. You execute, you win. You don't, you lose. And the 49ers didn't execute enough to win in this football game. Say that, even though they did execute enough to win in this game. Because let's be honest, if they get the stop, the Deshaun Gibson uh, penalty, that's a stop. 49ers probably could have ran out the clock after that. Uh, They get the... Brock Purdy drives the 49ers down the field, and they get the field goal opportunity to dismiss. Those are opportunities to win the game, even when you didn't execute as good as you could have. That's a sign of a good football team. You don't execute well, and you don't play as good as you thought. You're penalized more than you've ever been penalized. And then at the end of the game, you still have an opportunity to win. Uh, you got to think that, hey, we're going to make things go right, and we're not going to let this happen to us again. So tighten it up. So as far as injuries go, Debo Samuel listed as day-to-day for the San Francisco 49ers with a shoulder injury. But both the x-ray and the MRI came back negative for anything serious. Uh, Trent Williams day-to-day with an ankle. Fully expect him to have an opportunity to play this week. Uh, We talked about Drake Greenlaw coming back. George Odom had a leg contusion. Looks like he's day-to-day, and he'll be back. And then Christian McCaffrey, as of time of recording, was getting an mri so we'll see what happens and what's revealed about his oblique so they could be relying on elijah mitchell and jordan mason against the minnesota vikings and of course we'll be getting all into 49ers versus minnesota vikings uh coming up this week but this is my under upon further review uh what i saw from the film and what stood out to me is lack of execution led to the ultimate divide, demise of the 49ers there were some help on uh, some bad calls uh, there were some legit calls as well. The referees weren't all bad, but I thought they made bad calls against the Niners. They made bad calls against the Browns. I just thought the bad calls against the Niners were a little bit more significant in situations that could have ended the game for the 49ers. So uh, thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Like and subscribe to the channel. If you're listening on an audio platform, 49ers Cutback on Believe, please give it a five-star rating. And of course, join me for all the content this week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope you guys are ready for 49ers versus Vikings. I know I'm getting close and ready to turn the page on 49ers versus Browns and get back to 49ers potentially winning a primetime game against the Minnesota Vikings. This episode of 49ers Cutback is brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. So until next time, stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49ers.